Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. the first show kicking off our fourth year of the sports rivals that's ernie i am monty and together we're gonna talk the world of sports today all about football whether it be the nfl down to the last week in week 18 coming up or the college football playoffs amazing semifinal games yesterday the finals are set michigan and washington we'll give you our feedback on that and of course ernie will close the show with his closing thoughts so first and foremost hopefully you and your families had an amazing safe and blessed new year's weekend that's why we're recording on tuesday we're going to put this show out tonight and you can listen on the way to work tomorrow but ernie Week 17 saw your Steelers go to Seattle and play a great game behind Rudolph. Yeah, behind Rudolph, but to tell you the truth, it was the offensive line that really won that game. The running attack, uh, you know, was able to get 145 yards, I believe, in the first half alone. That allowed Rudolph enough time, you know, the game plan changed basically after that. And then key turnovers for the Pittsburgh Steelers at the end of the game. Allowed them to hold off an, an onslaught from Seattle. Hawaii's own Nick Herbrig yeah. with the strip sack. Exactly, exactly. Good, good boy, Nick. And they're <laughs> able to hold on to that win. But again, if Trubisky was in there, that game was lost. Trubisky, count your days as a Steeler because I don't think you're coming back in 2024. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's true. I mean, there was a lot of talk about Kenny Pickett. Uh, did the rumor was that he said that if he's not going to start, he doesn't want to be the number two, so he was inactive. He denies that. Um, but the bottom line is, if Tomlin does anything but continue to start Mason Rudolph right now, he'd be foolish because they played really well offensively the last two games. It would make zero sense to switch now to Pickett, who hasn't played in over a month. Right. It would make no sense. Uh, to me, that would be an asinine decision. So... Kenny Pickett, um, the bottom line is the goal is to make the playoffs. Right now, Mason Rudolph gives you the best possible chance. He does. He does. Uh, all the sets show, I mean, Rudolph is bringing in more yards, more points uh, versus Pickett, a higher quarterback rating, and just the vibe of the team is just that much more better. I think it would be a cop-out if Tom Lynn, imagine if Tom Lynn put back Pickett and they lose this game. The amount of yeah. controversy that that would have. At least if, if if they lose this game going into Baltimore and Rudolph is the quarterback, you got your third-string quarterback, and that's built almost like a built-in excuse. Well, their two best offensive games of the year seem to have been the last two yes. weeks, so it makes yeah. no sense. They have to stick with Mason, in my opinion. And, and the fact that the Baltimore Ravens have clinched the number one seed, we know Lamar is unlikely to play. Just a matter of which defensive players are going to play. That's going to be an interesting game, but we'll get a little bit more into that. On my side, my Los Angeles Rams did almost everything in their power to lose the game. Unfortunately, <laughs> Mason Crosby 
missed wide wide left on a 54-yard field goal. So the Rams were able to hold on. But Ernie, how many times have I told you we have the worst special teams in the history of the NFL? Who gives up a 94-yard punt return at the very end of the game again? At this point in time, every time we have to punt, just kick the ball into the bleachers. (laughs) <laughs> because at least they can't return it back. I would not kick the ball to the other team because we have not proven that we can, one, protect the punter. We've had multiple block punts. And two, stop anyone from returning the ball. If I was the kick return before the game, I would start from outside the end zone, catch the ball, and run it back because the Rams special teams is atrocious. Ernie. To give you an idea of how bad it is, kicking-wise, early in the year, Brett Maurer was terrible, so he was fired. Okay. So we bring in Luke Haversick, and he's been a disaster, missing two extra points this week, missing field goals every single game that he's been there. So we fired him today, and we bring in back Brett Maher. <laughs> There's nobody else available wow. that we're bringing back the guy that we fired for missing gosh knows how many field goals early in the year. It's touchdowns or busts for the Rams. And unfortunately, we go to San Francisco this week. But But. the good news is the Rams miraculously have already clinched the playoff berth. The key now is how do the seeds fall? Um, I would love for them to be number six because I really want to see that game with Detroit. And that's going to be exciting. So the Rams continue to win. They've won six of their last seven. Their only loss being the loss at Baltimore on a punt return touchdown in overtime. But this was their weakest performance. Stafford had his first two interceptions in five weeks. Um, Special teams was horrendous. Despite the six sacks by the Rams, uh, it wasn't their best game. But like Sean McVay says, you don't ever take any win for granted. So we're lucky that they got a win. So I'm I am in extremely gratified that they're in the playoffs. Ernie, I never thought they'd win six games. Yeah. And here they are no, at nine. I, you know what? I think you did put them at six games. Yeah. I had them at, I think I had them at seven and nine. Yeah. So, yeah. And, but they've made it. They've, they've definitely outperformed. And like I said, this has got to be Sean McVay's best coaching performance of the year. So let's go through some of the other action this week and then highlight uh, the key battles as the playoff comes into stretch. So in the game of the week, Baltimore against Miami. And, and Ernie, it wasn't really a game. But Miami made a colossal mistake in the way they handled this game. So they started the game with Mostert out injured, Waddle out injured, Mm -hmm. two offensive linemen out injured. They were getting blown pretty quickly. And instead of pulling everybody and getting ready for the showdown against Buffalo, I guess in the back of McDaniel's head, he remembers last year Miami was down 21 points in the fourth quarter at Baltimore and won. But that was a different Baltimore team. Um, He left the starters in. Tua gets nicked up. And the colossal one, Bradley Chubb, tears his ACL and is out for the year. So now your two bookend rush ends are out for the year. Um, 
I think Miami's in real trouble this week against Buffalo. I think Buffalo is playing better. I think their physicality without Chubb and Jalen Phillips is going to be a problem with Mostert nicked up and Waddle nicked up. And you can tell Tyreek Hill does not have the same explosiveness because of the ankle uh, and Tua nicked up. It just does not bode well for Miami this week to, to win that game. So at this point in time, it really looks like Baltimore, uh, I mean, Buffalo could should win the AFC East. Your thoughts on that Baltimore-Miami game? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a game that was pretty much put away and then compounded on the fourth quarter. I mean, 21 points in the second and the fourth quarter for the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, when at the end of the third quarter, at the very least at the end of the third quarter, that should have been a preserve your starters type of moment. But he... he Either way, I, I thought even with, uh, if they had Bradley Chubb, the only way they're, they're going to beat uh, Buffalo next week is to outscore them. That's the, that's the only way. They're, they're, uh, I just don't think that defense is strong enough to hold on, uh, hold on a Buffalo team that's been, you know, Trending on the right direction. So, but offensively, Buffalo's been not not that strong. But again, another injury. Xavier Howard, the cornerback, got hurt in the very beginning of the game, mm-hmm. and Lamar Jackson torched them from that point on. Um, the other thing is Lamar Jackson just wrapped up the MVP. I think that's pretty clear. He's going to be the MVP after that five touchdown performance. So. Again, Miami gets uh, hammered. Buffalo does not win ugly against the Patriots, but they get the win. So they are now at 10 and 6. Again, setting down the showdown. Winner take all in the AFC East. Uh, the Jets, they're at 6 and 10 now uh, after their. They lost, right, again? I believe, yeah, they they lost to fall to six and ten. Baltimore's at thirteen and three. They've clinched the number one seed. Cleveland continues to be remarkable, eleven and five. They've clinched the playoff berth. If I'm not mistaken, I believe they've clinched the fifth seed already. Um, Pittsburgh right there at nine and seven, and the Bengals at eight and eight. Jacksonville gets off the schneid without Trevor Lawrence. Finally wins a game. They're at nine and seven, as is the Colts and the Texans, setting up a showdown this week between the Texans at the Colts. The winner is going to get into the playoffs. Um, The loser is not. Uh, And then with the Jags, they need to win to stay in because a loss could see them completely out of the playoffs mm-hmm. as well. Kansas City gets off the schneid with a win over the Bengals, barely. Um, they're at 10-6. and six. The Broncos, 8-8. Eight and eight. They win 16-6. to six. The Raiders lose. They go to 7-9. and nine, And the Chargers are at 5-11. and 11. So let's talk real quickly before we jump to the NFC. Big news this week. Russell Wilson gets benched uh, for the last two games controversy ensues Russell Wilson starts spewing venom that he was told weeks ago that either he restructure his contract or he's going to be benched right. for the rest of the season he refused to restructure the contract they benched him for the rest of the season Sean Payton said it was to try to find a spark within the offense I'm not necessarily buying that uh, obviously Sean Payton has been frustrated with Russell Wilson but statistically 
26 touchdowns and eight interceptions yeah. for Russell Wilson. He's fifth in the league in passer rating. So it's not like he's horrible, but apparently he's not doing enough of what Sean Payton wants him to do. But the biggest thing is he's taking up too much of the salary cap, which is going to cause problems. Right. But, um, both, I mean, Denver puts up 16 points, Ernie. They barely beat the Chargers 16 to 9, and the Chargers have nobody. So, Jared Stidham is not the answer either. Your thoughts on the whole Russell Wilson situation, and where do you see him landing next year? Word out is that he might, he might land as a Pittsburgh Steeler. I don't know how they're going to do it contract wise because that guy makes a ton of money. But as, as far as the controversy is concerned, I think Russell Wilson was done a bad. I, I hear Denver fans. I have a, a nephew who's a big diehard Denver fan, and he feels bad for Russell Wilson. Uh, all the blame is, from what I'm hearing, is that uh, uh, I wouldn't say a majority, but I would say a slight majority is in favor of Russell Wilson. The blame's going to Sean Payton, especially what he did early in the year. I mean, Russell Wilson, uh, during that losing streak, uh, you mentioned that he had eight interceptions this year. He has thrown more interceptions over the last several weeks. But as you mentioned, cumulative over the seasons, only eight. Yeah, he had three in that Texan game. So I mean that that was a that was a bad game for him. But but again, it's just it's it's going to be really, really interesting. So from a salary cap perspective, if Denver cuts him Whenever they cut him, the Steelers aren't going to be on the hook for that. They're going to be able to sign him to whatever. The Broncos are on the hook for his guaranteed amount, which is why if they just would have come out and said, hey, we need to move on from Russell Wilson. We're going to hold him out for the last two games to make sure he doesn't get hurt. So we're not stuck paying the roster bonus because if Russell, the, the key is if Russell Wilson gets hurt between now and March, then they're locked into some $37 million bonus. So by keeping him, but be honest, be honest about it. Don't say you're looking for a spark because Jared Stidham is not giving you that spark. So right, and and they have dead. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're dead money. Dead. Oh, there's money. tons. There's 86 million dollars in dead money. So no matter what, he's owed 37 and 39 million guaranteed from the Broncos over the next two years. So they can cut him. He's still guaranteed those amounts. He can sign with the Steelers for minimum money. And still be making forty million dollars next year, um, thanks to, to thanks to the Broncos. But I guess the Broncos at this point just want to get them out of the building and move forward. Russell Wilson has always been polarizing. You know, his his extreme optimism tends to rub people the wrong way in some cases. It did in Seattle, uh, and it's doing it again in Denver. It's hard for me to understand because I tend to be that kind of a person, you know, glass half full type, optimistic type person. Um, so I wish him the best. He's a great human being. I wish him the best. It's going to be interesting to see where he lands. I cannot imagine he's going to be getting big bucks anywhere he goes. It's going to be Denver paying the chunk and whoever gets them. And no one's going to give up anything for him. They're all, everyone's going to sit and wait for him to get cut and then they can go ahead and have him because he's not worth giving up any asset for right now because if you give up something then you take on the salary and you do not want to do that with that that contract didn't even start yet ernie that's how bad it is for denver it starts next Next year year. and so that that's a problem but 
It'll be interesting to see where he lands. In the NFC, the Eagles continue their swoon, giving up a late touchdown drive again to Arizona. This time, Arizona's fourth win, Philadelphia's fourth loss in the last five. They open the door. Dallas now takes the lead in the NFC East. But Ernie, let's talk a little bit about that game because it was a good game between Detroit and Dallas, Mm -hmm. but it was a travesty. The way that game ended, uh-huh. Detroit was absolutely hosed of that win by an error by the referee team, and there is just no recourse to correct that. But man, I feel bad for Detroit. Yeah, I do too. I mean, you could in a game where uh, you know everything is done by milliseconds and inches. I mean, you kind of feel bad for the ref, but there's got to be. Some, I mean, we've got instant replay and whatnot. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what rule you, or what uh, protocol you can put into place to avoid those type of penalties. I mean, I saw it as something that, wow, you know. But even at the end, when they had the in, uh, tackle ineligible, I mean, I thought that was, when that one was called, it was like, you know, it just wasn't their day. Yeah, and that's the one that I'm talking about because clearly Decker told the ref that he was eligible. The ref just seen number 70 running on the field because he had because 70 was the tackle eligible a number of times throughout the game. He just assumed he was going to be the tackle eligible, even if 68 clearly told the ref that he was the one. Um, the, the two-point conversion is nullified. That would have given them a one-point one point lead yep. with 23 seconds left. Now, it doesn't eliminate the possibility that Dallas couldn't have driven the field and kicked the field goal with no timeouts, but it would have been really, really, really difficult for them to do that. The thing that, that surprised me is once the penalty was called, even if it was wrong, I would have kicked the extra point. Just kick the extra point. Take your chances in overtime because anything can happen in overtime. But no, he made the decision that we were absolutely going to go for two no matter what. And two more cracks and they didn't make it. Detroit loses. Dallas now secures the number two seed at this point in time, pending a their 13 and a half point favorites against the Commanders. That's a huge difference. Detroit would have been the two seed. Now they're the three seed and they got to go to Dallas again, which is... Not fair, but it is what it is. Yeah, like you said, it is what it is. Uh, you know what? The NFL gods, they'll make this right somehow. I, I, for, some re- for some reason, I just don't see Dallas. Even though they, on paper, they're a contender. I, yeah, I, they're not. They're not offensively. They're not quite playing as well. They're not running the ball. C.D. Lamb is a one-man show, really offensively. Dak is playing good, but C.D. Lamb is. C.D. Lamb that world. game had his had a career game. He had a career. I don't see that happening in the playoffs. Not against good teams. I see. I see wild card weekend. Dallas wins, and they're out the next. Sorry, well, Dallas but, fans. But then that would be well. Assuming that the Rams go into Detroit and beat them, it would be the Rams <laughs> playing them in the second week. Anyway, the rest of that division, so Dallas and, and Eagles are 11-5. and five. The Giants are at 5-11. and 11. The Commanders at 4-12 and 12 after another defeat. Detroit, they're at 11-5. Green Bay romps Minnesota in Minnesota. They're at 8-8, eight and eight, still alive. Minnesota's falls to 7-9. The suddenly hot Bears are at 7-9 and nine as well, setting up a very interesting decision that they're going to have to make. Yeah, they locked up the number one pick because of Carolina. 
Justin Fields is playing much better. Because he, he knows. What do he you knows. do with that number one pick? That's going to make for some interesting discussions later on. Tampa Bay, surprisingly to me, because I had them as one of my picks, get blown out at home to the Saints. They fall to 8-8, eight and eight, tied with the Saints. The Falcons are at 7-9, and nine, and the Panthers... 2-14, and 14. 49ers lock up the number one seed with their victory at 12-4. and four. The Rams at 9-7, and seven. the Seahawks at 8-8 eight and eight still alive, and the Cardinals at 4-12. and 12. So Ernie, let's take a close look at the playoff situation as it stands right now. Baltimore is the one. Miami currently is number two. Um, I believe that the winner of that Miami-Buffalo game is still going to be the two seed because Buffalo beat Kansas City as well. So either Miami will have a better record or Buffalo beat Kansas City Mm head-to-head. So I believe the winner of that game is the two-seed. Kansas City looks locked in as the three-seed. The winner of the South, whether it be Jacksonville or the winner of the Colts and Texans, would be the four-seed. The Browns are locked at five. The six-seed currently is Buffalo. Um, that would be Miami if Miami were to lose. And then the seventh seed is what Ernie is still really efforting to to make sure that the Steelers find a way to get there. So if if I'm not mistaken, it looks as if Ernie needs Jacksonville to lose and the winner of the Colts and Texans would win the South. And the Steelers would be able to get ahead of Jacksonville to be the seventh seed. Am, am I reading that correctly, uh, Ernie? I mean, on paper, yeah, I would say that. That. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I may have been misinformed. I, I, I saw something on YouTube, and I didn't val- validate it. But I thought that uh, there was mentioned that the Steelers could backdoor their way in, even with the loss. But you're right. I don't see it. I think they need to win, and uh, the Cards got to play their. Then they, they still need help in order to to get into the playoff. But you know, for me, just get into the playoffs. The Steelers haven't won a playoff game in like seven years or something like that. I mean, I'm tired. Even though this is going to be Tomlin's 17th season without a losing season, yeah. I'm tired of it. I'm tired. 17 seasons you get one one Super Bowl I mean they went to two but they only win one Super Bowl uh, I would rather have you know half of those losing seasons than two Super Bowls that's just that's just me so if you remember last week Ernie had to have a couple of things he said he was cheering for the Pittsburgh win he was cheering for the Baltimore win. Both of those happened. Yep. But then the other two, he was cheering for a Jacksonville loss. Lost. And he was cheering for a Colt loss. And they, those didn't happen. So that's why the Steelers right now still need help. They're the ninth seed. They need help to try to slip their way into the dance. In the NFC, San Francisco's one. Dallas is two. Detroit is three. That seems like that's going to be locked. Uh, the winner of the South, whether it be Tampa Bay or New Orleans at this point, will be the four. Philadelphia will be the five. The Rams, the Packers, the Seahawks. The Rams are in, but the Packers and Seahawks and the Saints are all battling for that last playoff position. And if I'm not mistaken, because of conference records, I'm not sure if if Green Bay can jump the Rams if the Rams lose to San Francisco, in which case they would be the seventh seed and Green Bay would be the sixth seed. We don't want that. We want to avoid playing Dallas in the first round. 
um, as much as humanly possible. So that's kind of where we stand right there. Technically, technically, all the way down to the 10th seed Vikings can still get into the playoff, but the Vikings need a a miracle to to get in at this point in time with people tying and all kinds of things happening. So it's unlikely that they're going to be there. So it looks like it's going to be Packers, Seahawks, or Saints with the last playoff position in the NFC. So we'll see. This time next week, we will know who is in the playoffs. Yeah, and Goodell is smiling right now because I think this is uh, one of the seasons where, you know, going into week 18 that there are... a number, the, the most, uh, at least teams that are still alive yep. going into week 18 with more than half of the teams left. So at least there's some interest. It draws interest in week 18. Yeah. And you're not just looking at one team. You're looking at multiple games. If, if, if you're like me, a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, uh, I got to see the Steelers win and multiple things to happen. In order, So I, I'm going to be glued, you know, to those other games. So... Goodell, you did a good job as far as parity is concerned. All right, let's get into our top five teams. For me, uh, I'm just going to spit this out real quick. Ravens are a clear number one at this point. San Francisco, for me, is two. And then from there, it can get interesting. So I changed mine up. I do have Dallas right now at 11-5. and I have them at number three. I have Detroit at number four. Had the game played out the way it should have played out, it would have flipped it, but it didn't. So I'll keep it here. And I've dropped... The Eagles out for the first time all year. I've dropped the Chiefs out. I've dropped the Dolphins out with all of their injuries. And Buffalo is my number five team. At 10 and 6, Buffalo's on a roll. I've got them at number five. No argument. I mean, I got the same number one, number two, Baltimore and San Francisco. I mean, I'd be surprised if either one of them do not make. I mean, I'd be shocked if neither of them make the Super Bowl. But uh, I... I would say, I, I, I mean, I, I'd go with at least one of them against the field and put big money down on that if it was a money line. That at least one of those two teams uh, gets into the championship game. But going to number three, I, I agree with you. I got Dallas at number three, even though that game had a lot of controversy. I'm keeping Kansas City in there. I don't know what it is, but this doesn't seem like their year even though they're defending to me they're still the champs are still the champs you know so with that i have them at number four philadelphia is on a slide uh all those close wins where they were undefeated in the beginning of the year the law of averages are coming back to haunt them i still think they're a good team uh i have them at number five but i'm not gonna argue i mean like you said it's it's very close in regards to the uh, number three to number eight, I believe. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it, 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 in, in the NFL, anyone can win. But with the Eagles, man, I was a believer in them all year. But four out of five with losses late to the Cardinals yeah. at home. They almost moved the Giant game. And Seattle, that defense is just not playing well at all. So, all right. So we both agree, Ravens and San Francisco. And from there, it's anyone's ball game. Our picks, Ernie goes 2-0, the Pittsburgh plus 3.5, and and the Ravens laying the wood to Miami. He goes a perfect 2-0. I go a perfect 0-2 with (laughs) Dallas not getting the job done and Tampa Bay not getting the job done. So in week 18, the last week of the year, when you kind of don't know who's going to play for each of the teams, Ernie, who are you got? 
You know, I'm going to follow the same formula that did me 2-0 last week, so I'm going to ride with that. I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers minus 3.5 versus Baltimore. I'm going to assume that Lamar Jackson does not play as well as a number of their, their star players. Mason Rudolph is uh, infusing great uh, positivity into that uh, you know, in, into that Steelers team. I like the Steelers minus three and a half to win at Baltimore. Baltimore, I hope, does a Florida State and that, you know plays their second, third, and fourth stringers. Uh, for my second pick, I'm gonna ride with New England's. Uh, I wouldn't call it hot streak, but I'll call it warm streak. I got a feeling that Belichick doesn't, even though this is a, uh, you know. Not Likely his last game. Yeah. I think he wants to go out at least as a winner. Uh, I'm going to ride the, I'm going to ride that versus the unknown factor against every other game because I don't know who's going to be playing in every other game. I'm going to go with the coaching side on this side. I like the New England Patriots minus two to beat the Jets who have really nothing to play for. Yeah, you know what? I actually like Ernie's picks. I mean, I think, I think you have to assume that Baltimore is going to rest the majority of their key players. It just wouldn't seem prudent not to. Um, and then with New England, I, I do think that they're going to play hard for Belichick in what many assumes to be his last game. He's going to want to go out a winner. I think they're going to treat it as such. For me, I'm going to go with Buffalo minus three at Miami. Miami has just endured way too many injuries at this point in time. I think losing Chubb is just a disaster. Losing Howard, Jalen Ramsey coming back made their defense very dominant. We talked about that last week. They went from 27 points a game to 15. Now Howard gets injured. Now Chubb gets injured. Um, Waddle's still hurt. Mostert is still hurt. Um, Too many chinks in the armor there to play a red-hot Buffalo Bill team that traditionally owns Miami even in the best of times. So I like Buffalo minus the three, even if I want Miami to win. And I'm also going to go with the Saints minus three over Atlanta. The Atlanta Falcons have been eliminated from playoff contention. The, the New Orleans Saints are in contention. I believe the Saints are the more desperate team. They will continue to play like they did last week at Tampa Bay. I believe they cover the three against Atlanta. So yeah. I'll go Buffalo and Atlanta. And you've got Pittsburgh and New England. And New England. So if you guys are going to pick which picks to go with, go ahead, Ernie. He's been much more consistent. (laughs) Actually, I've been more consistent, but he's been winning a hell of a lot more than I have. I'm 0 for 4 in the last two weeks. So hopefully I can end the year my first 2-0 week since like week two. Yeah, you went on that one and one and one and one and one. For 10 straight weeks. It was crazy. (laughs) All right, so that's Ernie Iamonte again. Together we are the Sports Rivals. Again, entering our fourth year of podcasts for the public. And we do want to, again, extend our thanks to the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. They are a big supporter of ours. You can listen to our podcast on their website at hawaiihisportsradio.com. That's hisportsradio.com. Just click on our podcast there. You can listen to it there, of course, as well as Spotify and Apple. You can listen to Kuule and Paul Brick wake up in the den weekday mornings from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. at 760 a.m. 95.1 FM. You can hear your Dallas Cowboy games, Clipper games, USC games, HPU games, and of course, all your OIA sports there. But Ernie, yesterday, the college football playoffs, tremendous, tremendous 
game. We had talked about this last week. Any of the four teams could win. Yep. We had a hard time deciphering who it would be and who it wouldn't be. Um, I had Min- um, Michigan beating Alabama. That did happen. I had. We both had Washington uh, winning. That barely happened, but great, great, great games. Alabama, Michigan, your thoughts? Yeah, I thought Alabama had, especially in the second half. I mean, they stifled them all the way until like the last what seven minutes, eight minutes of the game. It was less. It was it was three. It was less than four minutes when Michigan got the ball back. Yeah, I was like, okay, uh, great, I'm gonna win this one. You know, my prediction is gonna come out true. Uh, but Michigan, to their credit, I mean, they they turned it up a notch. Alabama, I kind of knew once Michigan got that tie to push it over uh, uh, into overtime I kind of knew that they had the momentum and and they had the advantage Alabama was like all pissed off I think Roll you saw on his face after the game that he was disappointed that last play call uh, you know on fourth and goal to to tie the game in overtime that he was flustered. I mean, the line, there was nowhere to run. I, yeah. I thought that was a bad play call. Well, that uh, t- was all the timeouts. It was, a, it was a tale of two halves. First half, even if it was relatively close score-wise, Michigan dominated. Five sacks in the first half, 200 yards of offense. Alabama had like 90. Yeah. And Michigan controlled the half, but a muff punt allowed Alabama to take the initial lead and stay close. So that was 13-10 at halftime. The second half, the first 20, what is it, 15 minutes? So the first 26 minutes, Alabama dominated. dominated. They reversed all of the statistics. They were controlling the ball. They they scored a touchdown. They got a field goal. Their kicker was nails hitting 250-plus yard field goals. Michigan's missed. Michigan's special teams is from the land of the Rams. Um, (laughs) But Michigan finds a way to get a touchdown right before the end of the game with Hawaii's own Roman Wilson making that beautiful catch to take them down to the five and then score the tying touchdown to send the game yeah, into no overtime. No and then Blake Corum scores and then it, it's uh, they stopped Alabama. Michigan advances 27 to 20 uh, into the championship game to play Washington. And Ernie, that game, I expected it to be higher scoring. It was higher scoring. Washington pushed out to a 34-21 lead and then hung on for dear life. Yeah. For dear life to, to, to win 37 to 31. It goes down to the stretch. But this is what I didn't really realize, Ernie. It was Texas is completely out of timeouts. It's third down and five. Washington runs the ball. Their, their running back gets injured. Alabama cannot stop the clock. So the clock theoretically could have dropped all the way to 20. But because their running back got hurt, it forced them to call a timeout to stop the clock. And that made all the difference yeah. in the world. Yeah. Because now Texas had almost 50 seconds to try to score instead of 20 seconds. Um, but Washington finds a way to hang on behind Michael Penix's 430 yards passing. He was diming balls all over the place through the first three quarters. He they were stagnant late. But, man, that was a fun, fun game. It was. And I thought Penix, he upped his draft status in that game. If he does that in the championship game... Wow, Williams, Caleb, 
Watch out. <laughs> well, the only problem with Penix though is those two ACLs. That's why there are there are many scouts that are not going to touch him at all. They said because of the injury risk, but he throws a beautiful he does. ball. He does. I he, he's elusive enough. He throws a beautiful ball. So right now, this is what we're looking at: Michigan, Washington at Houston. So if Texas would have made it, that would have been a tremendous advantage for Texas to be playing in their home state. But it's not. Michigan, an early four-and-a-half-point favorite again over Washington, as expected. Washington has won 10 consecutive games against ranked teams. Washington has won 10 consecutive games by less than 10 points. So they have been proven that they find ways to win Time after time after time. I am a little concerned that their running back was injured. Um, you take him out. That guy's a difference maker. It's going to be interesting. I, before I even guess who I think is going to win, because I predicted something last week, who do you like in this game? I like the Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> Until the last four minutes. <laughs> this is a tough one. You know, this is a this is to me this is a toss up. Uh, it really depends on, in my opinion, this is going to depend on who makes the least amount of mistakes. Uh, you're going to have uh, Michigan uh, that defense, the way they man, if they can play the first half, how they handled Alabama in the first half, that Washington uh, Husky offense is going to have to show up. Because if, if they get stifled by that Michigan defense, it's to me, it's going to be lights out. It's going to be lights out early. Um, but I believe Washington, they have the, you know, behind Penix, they have, uh, you know, the personnel to overcome that. I just think it's going to come down to who makes the least amount of mistakes in this game, who has the least amount of turnovers, who executes on specialty. It's going to be the fine line in this. I believe that Michigan... With all their uh, coulda, shoulda, woulda, you know, under Harbaugh over these last several seasons, I got a feeling that this is the year. This is just the year, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I picked Michigan to win um, last week, and I think they are going to win this week. But I think Washington definitely has a chance to win. So you have a team with Michigan that believes it's the world against them. They found a way to be resilient all year long snapping a six game bowl losing streak uh in this particular game but then there's washington who's been overlooked now i think for the last couple of months yep. being a 10 point underdog oregon was the favorite undefeated, <laughs> an undefeated number two ranked team 10 point underdog to oregon they convincingly beat them there yeah they're four and a half point underdogs to texas the, to me they 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 controlled this game they got unlucky at the end and they had to hang on it would not shock me in the least bit for washington to win this but here's the thing if washington's gonna win to me they gotta get to 30 points i think if it becomes a defensive struggle michigan will win that yeah I think Washington's going to have to find a way to get to 30 and hold Michigan to 27 or 28. But you're right. It's going to come down to mistakes. Ernie, Michigan almost lost the game in regulation when that guy made the bonehead punt, tried to catch the punt at the six, 
and gets tackled at the half, half yard, yard line. Yeah, half yard line. A half a yard from a game-ending safety. That's the kind of things that can flip a script. So yep. at this point in time, because I did, I'm going to stick with Michigan to win. I don't think they cover the spread. I like Washington to cover the spread. I believe it's going to be a really, really close game. If I had to guess, I would say 27-24 wow, you, Michigan. You know what? We got the same score. I had that in my head already. I like Michigan. And I don't think Washington is going to get to the 30. Your magic number for them to win. I yeah. like it. I like You know what? Me and Monty, we're the rivals. We hardly agree. This one we're going to agree. Make your money, guys. Yeah, I, I just think it's going to... I do think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be entertaining. Uh, I know my daughter who... Her and her friends live in Seattle. Seattle's going crazy right now for their UW Huskies. It's going to be pandemonium on the streets of Seattle next week, Monday, if they can secure the win. And if Michigan can win this, I think... Either way, I honestly think this is Jim Harbaugh's last game in college. The Chargers are making it a very, very heavy push to bring him to L.A. So we'll see about that. But great semifinal. Looking forward to the final next week on on Monday. We'll have a further preview um, next week, Monday show before the game kicks off. But I'm going to turn this over to Ernie now for his closing thought. Yeah, I mean, I had a number of things for closing thoughts, but we're going to keep it. You know, we talk football all all during this program. I'm going to stick with football. I had basketball on top of that, but we'll save that for a later time. Uh, I'm going to talk about my Pittsburgh Steelers in regards to Kenny Pickett, their starting quarterback for most of the season, went into concussion protocol, was cleared of concussion protocol in a controversial way. Uh, He was still put as uh, inactive, I guess you could call that. For week 17, Mason Rudolph, like we mentioned earlier, uh, started for the last uh, two games, will be going into... I have a feeling, I mean, I'm going to cut straight to the chase. If Mason Rudolph plays and wins and Pittsburgh Steelers get into the playoffs, I think we've seen the last of Kenny Pickett. I And I say that just because of what Monty alluded to earlier uh, in the podcast regarding one more Russell Wilson, there is high chatter in uh, you know in Pittsburgh that Russell Wilson is high on their target list uh, for next year, and I I, I think uh, you know that that's something that they're going to go uh, hot for you know unless you know other uh, opportunities present themselves. Kenny uh, Pickett. Came in with a lot of fanfare. Uh, Steelers picked him up with the 26th draft pick two years ago. He came in with high accolades. Uh, really good player at Pittsburgh. Practiced at the same facility. A real winner. But for some reason, it didn't translate. I don't know. I don't know if we can blame Kenny. I don't know if we can blame Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator, the much maligned offensive coordinator. That they fired uh, in midseason for the first time in like eighty something years, but you know when I, I I say this again, the Steelers have six Super Bowls. Winning seasons is nothing in the Steel City. They've been waiting on number seven for the Pittsburgh Steelers for since two thousand and nine. It's been fifteen. It's coming on fifteen years. 
for them to you know take away that title from New, from New England as as uh, you know the the most Super Bowl winning franchise, and I I have a feeling that you know in in the, in in this day and age the Rooneys they want it now. I think they got a defense that is uh, prime and ready to play. It looks like the quarterback situation, as we've seen uh, with Trubisky t- towards Mason Rudolph, that the quarterback is the missing piece. I mean, you got explosive weapons with Fryermuth, Deontay Johnson, and Pickens. Pickens made another outstanding catch two weeks ago, four catches for 195 yards, the most, I think the third highest uh, yards per catch uh, in NFL history uh, during that game with two touchdowns in that game. Uh, it, it all boils down to the Pittsburgh Steelers. If they're going to be Super Bowl contenders, they need a quarterback, and I don't think they can wait for for Kenny Pickett. Mason Rudolph is a Band-Aid. Uh, he's got limitations. He's been playing well, and I'm glad that he's playing well. I think that, that, that puts him into a challenge. But like I said, as a Steelers fan, it's been a long time since we've even won a playoff game, you know. And this is this is a proud franchise coming in as a pretender. Uh, doesn't hold well for the fan base, and I I really think that Kenny Pickett's days are gone. And I'd be surprised unless somebody you know stretches out early. And gets Russell Wilson before he gets cut. If that happens, if if not, I really look for a strong pitch for the Pittsburgh Steelers to uh, you know get not get Penny, Kenny Pickett out, but try to get Russell Wilson in. And pet Kenny Pickett is out, unfortunately. Wow, Ernie is banking on Russell Wilson over Kenny Pickett. Well, you know what, Kenny Pickett has played two years. I'm not sure it was all of all his fault. Um, but there, there are limitations for him. So I, I, I hear you. I mean, at this point in time, I don't think he really has grounds, strong grounds um, to stand on, other than he is a pretty good leader. But Mason Rudolph is leading pretty well right now as well. So I agree with that. So, gang, it was all about football today. We spent a tremendous amount of time on the NFL. Of course, it's one week left. My Rams are in. His Steelers are fighting their way to get in. We both have the same record, uh, but the AFC, it's a little bit more challenging to get in in the AFC. Beautiful, amazing college football semifinals. We're set for what should be a barn burner of a game next week, Monday. We will talk a little bit more about basketball. I mean, the University of Hawaii suffered their fourth loss in five games in overtime, losing to Cal State Fullerton in the first Big West game, which is a disappointment. Men's volleyball gets started tomorrow night at the Stan Sheriff. Can they bring it back this year? Interested to see the two new setters. Can they take Jacob Tella's space? And of course, we'll talk a lot about the NBA. Ernie Celtics are still red hot. My Lakers are still not. Um, I'm kind of looking at Caitlin Clark right here on the screen. Maybe the Lakers can draft her. She's averaging 31 points, seven and a half assists, and seven and a half rebounds per game, shooting 50% from the field and 40% from three. She's doing her thing on the female side as the biggest, probably the biggest uh, female athlete star going right now. But we'll talk a little bit more about basketball 
after the football season is complete. But for now, next week, we're going to hang on on Steeler Watch. Yep. We're going to cheer for the Steelers. We're going to cheer for whoever the Jags are playing against. <laughs> and we're going to cheer for the Rams we're to gonna beat cheer. the 49ers. Whether or not yeah. they play any of their players. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a 49er fan, but I'll do that for you. All right. All right, gang, a reminder, check out the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 760 AM and 95.1 FM. And until next week, again, Happy New Year from the Sports Rivals, and we're out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.